Music make you lose control. MG make you lose control. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Woo! Okay, let's just take it down a notch now that I've got your attention and get into this interview. Hello and welcome to Conversations with The Real MG. I'm very excited to have an amazing guest today. We're already on Zoom having a great laugh uh, and we're going to share a little bit about that in a moment. But before I do, I just want to introduce you to our guest, Sharon Joy. Sharon, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm like, I'm, I'm just ready to sink my teeth into this because we're already like mid-conversation. <laughs> we were having such <laughs> a good like conversation it. that I was like, shit, I need to record this because it's really fascinating and part of the reason I wanted Sharon to come on this podcast is because when I look at what Sharon does and her life holy shit there are so many similarities in in the life that we've led right I was even reading your one page seeing that you were a marketing manager did you know that I studied marketing and was a marketing manager for a while I know it's there's so many likenesses I remember the very first time I heard your story and I'm sitting there going "Uh uh-huh 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 <laughs> that's me so where you would where you were more fitness I was more dance but that's probably the the difference there and it's I still incredible. I still love dancing but I, I try and say dancing not dance just <laughs> FYI um I accidentally oh, oh, said my name is Shaz day. after all like okay, yeah. you know Shaz Sharon? it's got to be dance you know like <laughs> gotta have a dance love it love it so Also, Sharon is a business and mindset coach for coaches. And I mean, like I said, we've got all of these similarities. So this episode is going to be a shit ton of fun because we've already got something exciting to talk about that I don't even know what it is yet because I said, stop, we need to record this. Um, And then I would love to talk a little bit about some of the things that you love talking about that I feel are really important. I'm not going to even say what they are yet because let's go one step at a time. The manifesting generator in me is like, oh my God, all the things. But slow down, Em, and let's just like bring it back. We were just talking about how I came up with my name, MG. And if you go back to the first episode of of this podcast, Conversations with the Real MG, I talk about why I came up with that. And Sharon said, my mind is blown. And like there's this sliding doors moment. And I want to know what it is. So what was it that made you go, what the hell is happening here? There's this similarity or something there's definitely similarities so you were telling me that your husband's name was Smith and that was kind of by default and that you were going to change to a surname starting with G well I'm I'm the person that was supposed to be the Smith and I became the G Oh my gosh yes okay so your surname is is it Galway is that how I say it it's pronounced Galway, Galway. as in uh, Galway Bay or for those port drinkers Galway Pike okay yes uh I'm not a way to describe it never tasted it never been to Galway in Ireland um but um actually uh, so my husband and I are high school sweethearts we've been together nearly 30 years and we've been married for 21 years and when I met him he was a smith Right, and he he had no contact with his father, and um, you know the his mother's maiden name was Galway, and uh, and you know 
basically that name was going to end and it's just such a beautiful surname. And so um, he had no contact with his father. He hadn't heard from his father for a long time. And his mum decided to go back to her maiden name, which kind of meant that everybody in the family unit all had different surnames. And that, not that that was a problem, but, you know, Adam really wanted to continue the legacy of that name. Mm. Um, he thought that there were enough Smiths in the world. And given that, you know, that sort of bloodline had, um, well, I guess you could say abandoned him, um, you know, in, in his middle teen years, probably one of the most vulnerable times to experience rejection, that, you know, by the time he was 21 and becoming of age and his mum had become Galway, um, gone back to her maiden name that he decided that he would too. And that was wow. a conversation that we both had because um, we had, you know, we had decided that we would have a life together by that stage. And so he, he changed his name back to Galway. And then, you know, we were married um, about three years later and, and I became Mrs. G. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And then of course you're a teacher. So you're Mrs. G. Love it. Yes. How is that hap happening? Like I'm just mind blowing right now as to all of the connections the oh, fact no. that like smith to g or g yeah. to smith like yeah that is actually blowing my mind so um if you're listening to this episode and you're wondering what that's all about go and listen to my first episode but in short my husband's last name is smith my actual last name is smith but if my stage name I call it because you know I'm I can totally have a stage name I'm, I'm stage I'm name cool enough for that <laughs> um it is Smith I'm Emily Smith but I chose MG so that I could be a little bit more stand standoutish and it's working because I have people say to me when they say OMG they think of me but you know we only had that because we were supposed to be Gaselius and that's even trickier than Galway you know but yeah. yeah that's blown my mind thank you so much for sharing that and it just oh. goes to show how incredible it is the people that you can meet across the interwebs mm. <laughs> because Sharon and I have never met in person uh we've only spoken in the last week you know properly on zoom twice because she's had me on her podcast and uh and then on Instagram live and we've kind of been in each other's realm for a little while through Instagram. And here we are talking about the similarities that we have. And you know, so many. It's mind blowing. I'm sure we'll meet in person one day as well now that we can. Well, now that Western Australia can exit. <laughs> now that we can get in. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I'm getting out first. <laughs> So I would yeah. love now that we've we've covered that fun story, I would love for you to share a little bit more about what you do in your work with the audience, because I know you'll describe it in the best way possible because it's what you do. So, yeah, go yeah. For it. Thanks. Yeah. So um, so I'm a business and mindset coach and I work with soul-led women. So I tend to work with coaches, healers and soulful consultants. And when I say that, it's usually um, mostly women in the pregnancy, birthing, matrescence, um, postpartum, doula space. Um, but, you know, I've worked with some people who perhaps have, you know, out of the box kind of consultancy businesses and, um, and don't quite fit anywhere else, but, you know, feel this deep calling to be able to, you know, start a business. Uh, most of my clients tend to be, you know, women in the middle 
years who have had other careers and are making a pivot much like your listeners and and you know your clients as well em and um you know, probably, you know, one of the things that I do differently is for me, um, you know, it's very much about the strategy and the alchemy. So I'm a bit woo. Uh, I like woo in my spaces. And, uh, and, you know, and a lot of that is, you know, really about just cultivating that masculine, um, but also, you know, making space for our feminine as well, and just making sure that we have that balance of both. So, or, you know, masculine and feminine energies for people who aren't sure what I'm talking about (laughs) yeah yes well and it's something that I talk about as well and have a few podcast episodes on is that masculine and feminine balance but it's not something that I've always been aware of in fact while Mm. I consider myself quite woo now I wasn't always and I'm wondering if because I feel like it's always going to be the same between us but I'm (laughs) am I right or wrong right have you always been a bit woo or is it something that you've developed over time well, my roots weren't in this kind of woo. So my mum was a Christian and I was very much raised, you know, through through the church as a child. Um, probably I had my spiritual awakening. Um, I would probably say it was around about the time that my mum was gravely ill. And then I found myself accidentally pregnant with my third child. And so it was sometime, it was full on and I had to really connect with my faith and my intuition. And, you know, um, I watched my mum get through that in her way. And I just know that there's, you know, something on the other side, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, I, I really just started to tune in. And then after she passed away, my mum passed away at 11, 11 a.m. Wow. Um, and Whoa, that's when she took her last breath. And I looked at the clock instantly when she took her last breath. And I knew vaguely something about the significance of that. And I just went, holy hell. Um, yeah. I know I can say on your podcast. Holy shit. Yeah, you can say um, holy oh my shit. God. That was literally <laughs> the first thing I said after my mum had died. Um, when I went, Whoa. and um, the rest is history. Yeah. So wow. she's been showing up for me ever since. And, um, and my life has changed dramatically as a result of that. And I think a lot of it has got to do because, yes, there's that facing of mortality, but there's also, you know, that ability to plug into my intuition and um, really just lean into, you know, that universally being held by something. So um, I've moved away from my Christian faith and, um, I don't really have a name for my faith or, you know, it's really just my sense of spirituality. And if that means going to church, um, then that's where I find it. I still find it, you know, if I, if I say a prayer, if I'm in a church, a place of worship, I, I feel connected, I feel plugged in, um, but I don't feel like it's something necessarily outside of me. I feel like, you know, the, the goddess, the divine is is within and that I can tune into that and, you know, and, and what is outside as well. So, yeah, that's beautiful. What a beautiful story and, and way to look at those life experiences that can just be filled and, and can absolutely be filled with so much grief for good reason. And mm. um, it's interesting because over time, this is not where I was expecting the conversation to go, but I'm going there because it's naturally coming up is I had a big, a strong rejection of Christian faith. 
uh, in my teenage and early 20s. And then interestingly, as I went into the woo more, into that spiritual way of looking at the world, the universe, life, death, all of that, I still rejected it for such a long time. Uh, and it wasn't until, I don't know, it would have been a couple of years ago where I had a conversation with someone who I believed to be quite woo, but she called the universe God. I was triggered and I realized that trigger. I was going, mm. why, why am I triggered by her calling that God and have started to recognize how I was separating something that's actually the same, you know, yeah. that higher source. And, and that was also a time where I started to recognize the importance of feminine energy in my life and in my business, whereas I'd been very masculine and I still default into masculine very easily, but have so much more of an awareness of it now. Um, and I think that awareness just, it just grows and grows, but we do have to have a bit of the masculine in business don't you think like that's a oh. really hard thing to get out of the masculine when you're a business owner yeah well a lot of my clients are Manny Jennies and I love Manny yeah. Jennies I'm a projector um, I'm a projector three five with splenic authority and you know um, and that is you know probably one of the things that I find with some of my many Manny Jenny clients is that you know it's about really cultivating that masculine um so that the feminine feels safe because when she's swirling and swirling and swirling and swirling it's more like a flood yes <laughs> so we need to build those safe riverbanks for her and then she has that beautiful sense of flow but she also has that sense of safety and you know i mean as a cisgendered woman who still swoons over her husband after nearly 30 years i always like to think of it as you know those strong masculine arms you know when they hold me it just makes me go ooh, and you know sort of like i become like marshmallow or ooey yeah, gooey and just like ah, totally soften into it but and and then being in that sense of being able just to be you know, that sense of surrender and open to what is, but, um, but just allowing that to hold me, you know, and I think that that's the thing we, we do that dance of allowing that masculine to be cultivated. And then we get to lean back, you know, it's like, I've heard the analogy, it's not mine of, you know, catching the wave, you know, you paddle, paddle, paddle. And that's like that masculine energy to get onto the wave. And then you stand up on that surfboard and then you just ride it and it's just receiving and letting it carry you. It's, it's a really beautiful thing. You know, it's like when you think about launching, it's like, you know, you put that energy out there, but then it's that sense of expansiveness, like just, just holding that and, you know, holding that level of intensity, but in being in that receiving energy and just waiting for those people to arrive is freaking beautiful. Like there's yeah. something just amazing about that. And you just feel so held by the work that you've done leading up to that if you've done it well <laughs> yes and I think like I am in that phase right now of riding the wave so it's a very it's mm. a challenging space for me to be in because I'm not used to it 
Mm. You know, I, I went through a big phase of needing to be in my masculine um, leading up to launches, which I've done two big launches already this year, which on reflection was too much. <laughs> Plus a book, which really is not that, it's not ancient history, right? Yeah, like, no, exactly. Cool. And that was a lot at once. And now I'm in the point in my business where I can ride the wave of that work. Mm. And it feels a little bit uncomfortable because I'm like, don't I have to just be go, go, go doing all the time? But I also know how important that discomfort is for growth because it might just be uncomfortable because I'm not used to being in that flow, in that feminine, and that's okay. So it's interesting having an awareness of this kind of thing now and how it operates in your business and in your life. And I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say with that as well, Em, is, you know, allowing it to flow to the other parts of your life. Mm. So, you know, one way is, you know, I use the Pomodoro method a lot, which I think you use as well, don't you? And you, you yeah, talk that's about how I that. wrote my book. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Pomodoro is it's such a great tool to make sure that you've got that balance of the masculine and the feminine, because when you, you know, you, you set that intention, it's like the 25 minutes focus time. And then the other five minutes is actually moving that energy through your body, you know, moving your hips, rolling on the floor, you know, dancing, stretching, if you want to go for a run. So actually using that balance with your body, um, because that idea of sitting still and stagnant at your desk all day, which hand up, like I'm going to put my hand up and say, there's plenty of days where I do it, but then I feel like shit for, yeah. you know, weeks. Sometimes. I literally cannot sit at my desk all day, you know, like once this podcast interview finishes, I've got about 20 minutes before I've got another call and I will have to get out of my chair. Like, even if I know there's stuff I have to do, but I also wonder whether that's like, the sacral energy that I have yes. if I don't burn through that throughout the day I don't sleep at night yeah. and so really interesting that obviously human designs already come up um, and I end up talking about human design on literally almost every podcast episode because I must I attract it. other people that are interested in human design mm. and I've had sleep issues you know for so much of my life and I've done masses of work on my sleep but learning that about my sacral motor that if I don't you know allow myself to have the opportunity to burn out the sacral energy mm. I won't sleep I'm like oh, duh you know it makes yes. so much more sense yeah. and and I sleep better for it and sometimes that's movement and sometimes it's just doing things in my work that really fill my cup that really energize me and make me feel amazing because I'm, I'm using that really aligned energy so do you use human design in in the work that you do or is it yes. something that you're just aware of uh, I'd say both I'm I'm incorporating it more into my work mm. um, but definitely you know human design something I've been interested in now for a couple of years um, probably more intentionally weaving it into my business in the last 12 months I think that first 12 months was kind of like is this a thing yeah well there's <laughs> you know? so much to learn as well you know I, I still oh, know that I don't know yeah nearly enough but I have resources and people that I draw upon you know when it's yeah I literally have my chart on my desk yeah, so I can refer to it under lots of paperwork right at the moment. But no, it's not. It's actually sitting on the top. Like oh, I have my chart and I actually have it annotated. 
um, because, you know, I don't have a sacral center. I'm all the head energy um, and the Anya center. So I've got, you know, those upper gates that, you know, that really actually require me to unplug. And, you know, because I've got the stamina that I can do the head work all day, all day, all day. But then the disconnect from my feminine is horrific you know like and thankfully I have a husband who understands this stuff so I will come out and he will have you know the a glass of wine poured or the bath run or you know whatever it is to help me kind of like you know come back down into my body and remember that I actually have one I'm not just a head (laughs) um I mean you have got a beautiful head and your hair always looks amazing it's yeah, but it's not good when I'm just upping it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I do use it. Um, I've, I have, I do ask my clients when they start to work with me what their human design is. Yeah, so um, and I'm not here for stereotypes, but it does give me some little insight because I trust human design. And as I say, I waited. I sat on it for about a year. I, I didn't incorporate it into my work. I'm not someone who's like a hard, fast, yet yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm not a manager. Any. Um, I'm <laughs> like, no, let's, you know. But actually my human design is, you know, perfectly, you know, with all of my centres and my gates and my, um, you know, my conscious son and everything is to experience. Mm. So I, my job on this earth is to go and experience these things like human design, figure out, is this really a thing? And then bring that back to my people. Mm. So, you know, I really see that as my job. And I guess a really interesting thing is, is I tend to work more with woo women. Um, I tend, I work with a lot of Manny Jennings. I work with a lot of um, sacral centered women or feminine core beings. And so I really see my role as someone who it's my job to go and explore those more strategic places on the internet around business and then bring back the key pieces and deliver it in a way that's going to land and and serve them. So that that's what I see my role is. And my human design chart says it. I definitely have, um, I mean, I'm, I'm spleening authority. I'm very intuitive. Um, I have an ability, particularly when somebody is on the cusp of change, to be able to see them before they've seen themselves. And that, I believe, is my, that is my gift. Again, that's my conscious son. Um, but yeah, like that's, I freak myself out with that sometimes. I have to be honest. I'm like, Ooh. but it's such a powerful thing to have, isn't it? Because that's often what we need when we are on the cusp of something is to have that person that can reflect that back and say, hey, I can see this. This is a moment for you to take that leap of faith and I'm here for you in that process. And and it's a beautiful offering that you can give as a coach because that's what we need in those moments of faith is to feel supported that someone's going to be there to help us find our wings. Um, And And I mean, it's, it's such a place of privilege as well because... You know, I get to be the person who might might be seeing that person for the very, very first time. Like I'm the first person to see that next level version of them and shine that back to them. And that just gives me tingles just thinking about what a like what a place of privilege that that is to be. Yeah, I love that I get to be that for people. You can just see that it lights you up. Now, I really want you to just show me your chart again because I feel like you have a channel that I have that is my favourite channel. Yes, you do. 
you have and you've circled it see that channel there the 2644 ah channel? yes this one the channel of surrender uh, yes, 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 yes. Replace old standards with new ones. And supposedly, according to Amy Ruth, who is my human design guru that I go to, that is the channel of the entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. That's right. Yeah. I've got that there. Yes. Yeah, that's part of my annotation. And this is a really interesting thing um, because, you know, I sometimes, and with the girl that I've had do my human design readings is, I had a lot of 40 feelings coming up when I first, I want to say, came out as a business coach. I just thought, oh, this is just, you know, like, who am I to? And what I understand now is that entrepreneurial centre combined with my splenic centre is really like it's it's a gift, right? You know, but I yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I'm sure that you use it the same way that I do with your clients. It's like all of a sudden you can you can just see the ways that these people can make money. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I wish That's I could do amazing. it for myself a bit better, but you know, like I have this gift of being able to do it for other people. <laughs> yeah. And it's the thing is, is when you're looking at it in front of you, I actually I find um, when I'm on a Zoom call with the woman in the Unstoppables, I might not remember every single one of them what their human design is just off the top of my head, but I can almost see it on yeah. their faces, you know, the way they're sitting, the way they're interacting, all of that kind of thing. And if any of them are like, oh, I don't know what I am, I'm like, I reckon I could guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, look, a lot of the time I attract projectors or manifesting generators that just seems a great to be. Fit. It is. Projectors and money jennies. We're just meant to be BFFs. <laughs> well, everyone that I've interviewed for my podcast this week has been a projector. Everyone. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like projectors are the majority. No, we're so 22%. <laughs> somehow, you know, it's very interesting how there's that relationship. And there really but, is. There really is. And, you know, uh, that was something that I had identified before I, I heard other people say it. Um, but I really, you know, they're, they're clients that I really enjoy working with and, you know, I mean, even generators and manifestors, but the many jennies tend to be that, you know, that magnetism between projectors and many jennies, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Whenever I find out someone's a projector, I get very excited. I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> is going to be fun. Yeah. So I wanted to get into something that I saw on your speaking topics because I'm quite curious to know, and you're looking at me like, oh, I wonder what it is she's I going know. to I know. I could be underprepared. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I don't think you will be at all because I kind of get a sense that I've seen you share on this topic quite a bit anyway, and that's being a force for positive change in the yeah. coaching industry. And I wanted to talk about this because I certainly see a lot of, and I don't want to say negative things, but just say it. Toxic positivity. <laughs> negative things that happen in the coaching industry and how it, it kind of makes our job harder in a lot of ways because we've got to overcome that sometimes, but also mm. we can be the positive change. So I want to know, I guess, what do you, or I'm just going to say, do you want to talk to that for a moment? What, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things is, you know, myself, I had difficulty even coming out of the closet as a coach. 
Um, the truth is, is I started calling myself a transformational mentor because I had hangups about the word coach, as I know so many people do. Okay. But here's the thing that I realized, <clears throat> I was actually blocking the people who needed me and who were looking for me online. They, were look, they weren't looking for a bloody transformational mentor. Who was I kidding? Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, but I had to get out of my own way and declare it. And in part of doing that, um, you know, I had to, rec- I had to really return and reclaim the roots of who I am. Um, and that is, you know, I'm a teacher activist, right? Like that's who I've always been. I'm, I'm, you know, the daughter of, you know, a, a shop assistant and a fitter and turner who was the union delegate. Um, and, you know, I've got a long line of family history of, you know, in the labor movement and um, I'm a proud lefty. Yep. <laughs> And so, you know, that's interesting when you're in business, let me tell you, it doesn't earn you many friends. I know, yes. Um, But, you know, it's the truth is, is, you know, I was was a girl who grew up in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney. Um, You know, my best friend was a First Nations woman, now a woman, which was a girl then. Um, And my first experiences with, um, you know, racism in my face was my neighbour's um, calling hideous names to my best friend while we were swimming in the pool over the fence. And, you know, that was my kind of awakening. And so, you know, it's always been very um, close to my heart is, you know, really um, wanting to advance, you know, people, First Nations people first and foremost and acknowledging that we are on, you know, on lands that were unseated. And, you know, really recognising that and trying to right the wrongs there, but also, you know, generally speaking, that whole sense of inclusion and diversity. So, mm. you know, there were things that I, I tried to, uh, you know, overcome as a teacher. And, um, you know, as I say, I was a girl who went, grew up in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney. Uh, I went to university there and then I returned after university to that area to become a teacher. And so I was very passionate because often I worked alongside people who came from more affluent areas in Sydney who went to the fancy unis um, and then they were thrown in the southwest to teach. And I think you are so far removed from yeah. these this community and you need to do some work here. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm a white middle-class woman. I've got plenty of privilege that I need to unpack. Um, but I believe that that's a life's work. It's not, it's not a season's work. It's a life's work. And so um, that's definitely part of my mission is to make sure that my places and spaces are inclusive mm-hmm. um, and you know, and I want to say, and diverse at this stage, they're not as diverse as I would like them. Um, But there's more work to be done on inclusion and safety and creating safe space for people, um, you know, who are diverse, making sure that they feel safe in that space, making sure that there's policy there to address that. But, you know, I guess one of the other things that I want to recognize, you know, about being the change in, in the coaching industry is, you know, particularly things around money manifestation and, um, and some of the things that, you know, are taught around that. And, you know, I have an understanding because I've experienced myself where I had incredible um, rapid success and then it just kind of exploded. And, you know, what I have come to know is that has a lot to do with the fact that, 
you know, there wasn't a level of safety there and there was, there was trauma. And so, you know, these radical spikes can often then be followed by these deep troughs afterwards because our body and our nervous system hasn't had the opportunity to integrate that level of success success for lack of a better word I don't know whether success is the word but it's the best word that I can think of too and and that's the thing so it's making sure that on our ascension that our nervous systems have the opportunity to regulate Mm. and expand so that we don't have this like you know peaks and troughs on the way up of course we have you know we have rises and we have falls and we have good months and we have not so good months but that's another thing like there's another thing in the change you know one of the things that I talk about is you know on your way to where you want to go it's not linear you know it's all the way around and you know you need to make sure that you're addressing you know, what trauma you're holding in your body or, you know, what stories that you're holding onto, what limiting beliefs that you have and getting the healing for that along the way. Um, you know, the coaching industry has, you know, at times, you know, I'm, you know, my word this year is radical responsibility. So I'm all about owning my shit and I'm all about, you know, calling my clients out when they need to own their shit as well. Um, but I don't do it from a point that um, places blame and you know comes from a point like it's about understanding the way and how people have arrived where they're at and meeting them where they're at and then guiding them forward in the best possible way as well as getting them to own their shit if that makes yeah. sense well there's a very big difference between responsibility and blame and i think a yes. lot of the time we get stuck up on this stuck up on that <laughs> stuck on that thinking that you know by taking responsibility I'm blaming myself therefore I should feel bad for the fact that I haven't moved past that or I'm you know I'm thinking that way so I'm blaming myself because it's my fault it's not about fault it's about ownership and and taking back Mm. that personal power in order to move forward yeah and I mean you know I think there's a lot that needs to change in the coaching industry I mean even um you know, programs that I've been in that, you know, really um, weren't well thought out, you know, it was just like someone just wanted to launch something at the time and, you know, had this sort of magnetic marketing, but, you know, it's sort of like, where's the, where's the line between magnetism and manipulation and where does that fall? That's, you know, that's part of my mission is to make sure that, Yes, we want to magnetize people, but we also want to make sure that our programs deliver the transformation that we're promising on, that it's just not a bag of hot air on the other side. That's thousands and thousands. Um, You know, my pricing, I like to think that my pricing is, you know, accessible for the people who I'm here to serve. Um, And I know that pricing is a mindset thing. I I get all of that and I'm not suggesting. It's also an energetic exchange. That's the way I look at it is, is it, do you feel good receiving that for this service? And if it feels good, then it's a good energetic exchange. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what that number is. If it feels good, it feels good. Because there's times where I have helped people for less because it felt good for me. Yes. And, and that's okay. You know, there's times where I've helped people for free because it felt good for me. And that's the energetic exchange rather than it being about my worth, because I don't agree that my worth 
is tied up in what I charge. And I think you'd probably agree with that as well, that what you charge is not your worth. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there and with something that I've really got to be in my bonnet about at the moment. And, and that is, I feel like a lot of the coaching industry has particularly, you know, more the woo soul biz side of um, the coaching industry has become very about me and I and my, and what I want. And it's almost um, really like a big F you to the people that, they're here to they're here to serve right and so you know I really want to stay client focused and that's you know I know that when I'm client focused that I'm doing my best work and it's not at that doesn't mean that I forego what I want right like but I never lose sight of the fact of who I'm here to serve and being of service because that I mean that is a value of mine obviously it's not everybody's value but it is something that I see in the coaching industry and that I want to do differently and be about the people who I'm here to serve and be focused more on them than I am on the front line about me and I and my and, you know, and that in that kind of a way. Yeah, beautiful. And I love that as like a movement in the coaching industry because that will stand out in its authenticity and transparency as well. And I think that a lot of people are looking for that now because I think everyone I've spoken to has been burnt at least once I know I have been only once every other decision I've ever made in terms of going into a program or hiring a coach has been amazing yeah Um, it only takes one time but (laughs) yeah and the thing is I guess because that was probably my 10th time investing in a coach uh, I was like look obviously this is an anomaly and Uh, I knew that he was going through some other stuff at the moment. And I recognize that everyone's human and can project their own shit sometimes. But for for some people, if it wasn't their 10th coach and they hadn't had that experience before, they're instantly turned off because they've spent thousands of dollars. And, you know, I can understand how it can turn into that negative association with coaching and with people like yourself having these kinds of conversations it can help everyone to see well you know there is someone in every industry and I think we talked about this on your podcast about NLP having that oh that perception of oh NLP is manipulative but actually in every single industry there are people that you're going to connect with and people that you're going to not want to be around and that's okay it's a matter of finding finding those people in the industry that you're looking in yeah I think one of the other things as well um you know I've found that there's often been a very oh ding time's up you know um and and I'm here for the transformation it's not to say that I'm going to you know have no boundaries that's not it but you know I've also designed websites and I can tell you now uh, I'm not handing over websites going oh well I ran out of time you know, there's this your website. It's not quite finished, but you know, we're, we're almost there. We're three quarters of the way there, but there you go. Like, I'm not doing that to somebody, you know, if, if they've come and we've discussed what they're here to work on and I know that they've done the work and we're not quite there yet, then that's it. We, you know, I mean, time is just a construct. Mm. We need, of course, we need to have boundaries around it, but if, if that job doesn't get done, you know, what, what was promised and what we 
went into that client agreement for, it's like, look, I think we need another session. Let's book another session or, you know, let's talk about this in Voxer for a bit longer. I don't want, you know, I don't want to end this relationship yet, you know? So I think, you know, challenging some of that sort of stuff is, you know, just it's a good thing, you know, to have these conversations about, about the change. And I think it's for the betterment of the whole coaching industry because let's face it, we stink. Like we stink. People don't like us. Yeah. Um, people don't like us and it's because they felt burned. Um, it's because they've had trauma that hasn't been seen, recognized. It's because those places have been created. People have taken their money and then there hasn't been a safe space or, you know, that restorative justice done if there's been, you know, an incident or um, circumstance that somebody has been harmed further than what they've already been harmed. And yes. You know, so I'm I'm more for making that and, you know, look, it's far from perfect. It's always a work in progress, but, you know, um, I continue to do the work and that's what I encourage, you know, clients to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to backtrack to another another parallel that I've drawn um, in our life story. <laughs> Not that I grew up, I didn't grow up in West Sydney, but I'm, I'm assuming I don't know Sydney well enough to know what West Sydney is like. I'm assuming that it's kind of the lower socioeconomic area with yeah. more, of, more of the Indigenous population and, and maybe migrants, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yes. I grew up in South Auckland. And if anyone knows South Auckland, same place in New yeah, Zealand. Right. So I was the minority at my school in terms of the colour of my skin because everyone else was um you know indigenous Maori, or um there was a a lot of indian asian all of that and you know we had police outside our school all the time and you know it was a really interesting place to grow up and i was still a middle-class white girl in that space so i was one of the most privileged women or girls Mm -hmm. in um in that area but i got to see a lot of the way people live that you know, was almost, you know, not their fault, you know, it was just the way that society is set up. That's right. And and so interestingly, then I became a teacher and worked in Indigenous schools. So, you know, and I remember going, even though it's a different country, but seeing the similarities and Mm. like looking at the kids at the school that I was teaching in and feeling like I was back at high school again, you know, it's like, these are those boys that were in that situation and the the parallels there. Um, And I think that it's one of the things that, first of all, makes teachers really successful in business. Mm. Because if you are passionate as a teacher, you can actually transfer so much of that into into the work that you do as a as a businesswoman as well but if you become a coach also have that empathy and understanding for where everyone's at and the background that Mm -hmm. you know the experience that other people have is likely very different you know yeah I think that empathic leadership is it's huge and the emotional intelligence you know, it's that that's huge. You know, that's huge. It's they're they're really important skills as a coach. And, and I think that's why just like, you know, our teaching careers, we, you know, when we were teaching, you know, in the classroom, we weren't I, my, me, we were focused on our clients. We were focused on the people that we were there to serve. And I think that, you know, 
if coaches can show up to their spaces and even in their content, mm-hmm. you know, with that, then, you know, it's always going to attract the right people because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to bring you abundance, but it's also going to bring you joy because most of those types of coaches are impact driven more so than, you know, financially joy. driven, you know, and it might, it might look on. It might look like on the outside, you know, for any coach that it's all joy, but actually I've met plenty of coaches that look like they're they're full of joy, but actually behind the scenes because they've been more focused on the money or results in other ways, it's not real joy. You know, it's a it's yeah. the highlight reel. Yeah, and it's very possibly that they are a product of coaches who coach coaches who coach coaches. Yeah. And their, you know, that money trauma in their body hadn't been released. And so they've kind of exploded to this level where it hadn't integrated into their nervous system. So, you know, while they're doing the thing, they're completely unhappy. They feel unsafe, um, you know, and they've got the wobbles on every, on every level rather than, you know, allowing that time for expansion, allowing that time for that integration in the nervous system and, you know, that um, more, continuous steady growth rather than you know the you know the coaching 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 sort of situation and that's the that's actually what I went through in 2020 I went through what I call an ego death uh where my my revenue tripled in a month and I was working seven days a week and it was it was hustle 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 yeah and honestly it was one of the toughest times in my life even though I was making more money than Mm -hmm. I ever thought was possible at that point and yeah. you know I had to go through this horrible period and it literally was it was in my nervous system I wasn't sleeping I was you know I was like but I've made all this money and I'm still really like struggling and I was struggling with the who am I to make this much money and blah 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 but at the end of the day unfortunately I had to go through that process to come out the other side to recognize okay, what is going on here? And I had to do so much inner work in that six month period because it went for like six months. Mm. And of course it was in 2020 when COVID was running rampant and we we thought 2020 was going to be the only year that it was going to be happening. And it was, you know, we had no idea. All over by the new year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't wait for 2021. Uh, Yeah. So I know I had to go through that the opposite way. I had exactly the same thing in 2020 and I, I did have to learn that. I had to learn that for myself. Yes. Um, and it was hard and I exactly the same as you, you know, I was yeah. like, this is just too good to be true. Yeah. And I've even gone back and taken down a lot of the content that I created at that time because, right. you know, retrospect is a really interesting thing, mm. you know, that I'm like, ah. Oh, I haven't even gone it. to look at what that content looks like. I'd be very interested to see. Mm, that, you know, when I've gone and done more of the work and, and you know, realised that, oh, you know, my nervous system was frying. I was totally, you know, shaky. Um, it was just not, yeah, it was not where... Um, it needed to be so I've taken a lot of it down and also you know an opportunity for you now to use that learning as as you know that coach that has been there and been through that experience and I think that's super important to be experiential in your in your coaching as well 
just yeah. to I think there's a lot to be said for slowing down to speed up yes it's just one of the like... things I share with the unstoppables is sometimes you actually have to stop yeah. in order to be unstoppable unstoppable yeah. isn't just go 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 yeah it's yeah. going when you can go and stopping when you need to stop yeah it's it's probably one of my most used sayings particularly when somebody's like oh let's go let's go um but you know this is where it's like let's just you know let's just slow it down making sure we're getting you know we're getting it the way that we want it it there's a lot to be said for slowing down to speed up yes definitely now i want to change the topic slightly so that we can uh, lighten it up and start to finish off with a question that you know you you've got a couple of questions you like to ask in your podcast that I, I loved and I was like what's a fun question I could ask so I've had a few podcast interviews this week and I've asked this question that I'm going to ask you and I haven't prepared you for this question so that's even funner um, <laughs> Uh, the question is, if you were to come back as an animal in your next life, what animal would it be and why? Goodness. Strangely, the first thing that popped into my head was a cat. And I'm, I don't even like cats. And I'm wondering, is this <laughs> because it's we're recording this on Friday the 13th? I don't know. Ooh, maybe. It could be. A black um, cat? I don't know. I don't even really eyes. know anything about cats. But um I don't know. Uh, let me think. Uh, I'd probably come back as my French bulldog, to be honest, because shit, he's got a good life, I tell you. Yeah, fair enough. Yes. He, he's a pampered pooch. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, he gets fed <laughs> divine dinners prepared by my in-house chef husband. And um, he gets lots of cuddles. He gets lots of my attention uh, because he... I think he actually soothes my nervous system. And when I can't people anymore, I'm an ambivert. So I, I have a, a bandwidth with people. I, I'm, you know, I've got these extrovert tendencies on one hand and then I'm like, oh, I need to go back under the covers for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I'm under the covers, I always like him to be there to cuddle me. So <laughs> yes, beautiful, beautiful. Probably my Frenchie. And then, you know, and then of course, you know, they're just crazy, funny, stupid all the things so they're lots of fun they're they're hilarious sounds, it sounds like so much fun coming back as a pet because honestly when you've lived a human life and especially a human life of service to come mm. back as a pet and just be pampered and looked after but also be able to service just through being a gorgeous pet and just be yeah. like look at me I can wag my tail and you love me yeah he totally gives as good as he gets yeah. and uh he doesn't have a tail to wag oh okay uh, but <laughs> but he 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 lets us know that's for sure you can still see the yeah. bum shake right oh like we can totally see the bum shake we yeah. can smell the dog farts we don't <laughs> I could swap that out yeah. um but you know I mean look the truth is is it, he's just he really does give as good as he gets and you know that's um that's that's the kind of pet that I'd want to be <laughs> right well I look forward to seeing you in a future life I'll be an <laughs> elephant so um we might not cross paths why are you okay. becoming an elephant I need to know now <laughs> oh, I have been obsessed with elephants my whole life you know and it's interesting because my mum collected elephant um little you know like Oh my gosh, figurines. what's the word? Figurines. Thank like you. Yeah, figurines ornaments. work. Ornaments was the word I was thinking Yay. of. And I mean, I kind of, they were just in our house all the time and people would buy her elephants. 
And then when I kind of had my first awakening was when I was in Thailand when I was 19 and I traveled to Thailand thinking, I'm going to ride the elephants, blah, blah, blah. I don't care what anyone else says. And then I went and I realized what happens to the elephants for in order for them to be ridden. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so naive. And that was that moment where I realized I needed to educate myself before making decisions. And so that elephant experience became like this moment in time of me just learning one of the most important lessons of my life. I now have a tattoo of the elephant that I helped to bathe on my ribs um, with wow. a word underneath that says um, in Thai, it's Isilapar, but in um, English, it's freedom. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I, I, and they're just majestic, you know, they're, they're, they're just incredible. And they remember everything, mm. everything. They remember being in the womb, you know, mm. And from the trauma that I've experienced in my life, I've got, I struggle with my memory and it's something that I've, I've worked on, but, mm. you know, and, and I get there now, like I still have times where I'm like, whoa, there's a memory that comes up and I'm like, I, I don't know where that came from, but it's coming through as I'm working through layers. And so I just think of like, wow, imagine being an elephant and having all of your memory, you know? Yeah. So, but I've obviously yeah, had time to think about this, right? And I just threw <laughs> that question at you. Well, I mean, the truth is, is I'm not really an animal person. Right, fair uh, enough. So maybe you won't uh, or maybe you will come back as one so that you can learn to love them. Uh, well, that's true. I don't dislike them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I love a good day at the zoo, but, um, you know, wildlife and my family tend not to go that well together. Um, we learned that traveling Australia. <laughs> right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, but um, yeah, like it, it Elephants are amazing. Yes, like, yes. they really are amazing. They're beautiful creatures. Yeah. Now, I'd love for you to share before we finish off um, a little bit about how people can find you, get in contact with you, anything that's coming up in your business. This will be coming out in about two weeks, so end of May. Yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah, I'd love people to connect with you on Instagram at Sharon Joy Coaching. Um, I hang out over there a lot. I've got a podcast, um, which M, you've been yes. a, a guest. Uh, that's Joyous Journeys in Life and Business with Sharon Joy. And you can search that on any of your favorite podcast listening apps on the web, SharonJoyCoaching.com. And um, yeah, if anyone's interested in checking out my membership, Solid, S-O-U-L-I-D, Solid Business for Soul-Led Women. I'd love to, um, I'd love to uh, welcome anybody who'd be interested in checking it out. Amazing. And I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to those as well so that they're easy for people to go and check out. And I just want to say thank you so much for being an incredible guest. We've Thank chatted you. for a little bit longer than I anticipated, but I had a feeling that might happen because we just seem to have so much to riff on. So much. And we could have just <laughs> kept going. All the layers. <laughs> but we won't. We'll stop there. And yeah, thank you again. And oh, for pleasure. all of all of the listeners, make sure you go and check out those links. Go say hi to Sharon. And I will see you back here next week. Thank you.